Boom, baby. Okay, so four episodes into the podcast. If you're still here or if you're just tuning in, it's hard to believe we're already four episodes in, but if you've been here since the beginning, that means that you're liking it, you're liking the vibe, you're liking the flow, you're liking the people, and most importantly, you're liking the stories and just the value, hopefully, that this this show is bringing you. And again, I'm just so excited about who else is already pl- agreed to come on to the show, and it's, it's killing me that I only get to release these every two weeks to you guys, but man... You're in truly for a treat, especially today, because who I have on the show today are two of my very good friends from the Trustville, Alabama area. So this is, uh, again, same as Clayton from last week. We are back in Trustville, the, uh, that area, which is about 25 minutes northeast of Birmingham, and uh, work with these guys on a regular basis, and specifically Stan, this, the large majority of this conversation stems from Stan's story, Stan's wife's story, uh, Stan and his wife's story collectively, really, but um, his wife, Nancy, was a heart, double lung, kidney, organ recipient, uh, transplantation organ recipient, and the story of her, her, I won't even say full story because we barely scratched the surface, but um, the whole, kind of the, the, the origin story of the film that Stan and I directed called A Soul-Filled Life, which is solely focused on Nancy and, you know, Stan's journey with Nancy through that that process pre- and post-transplantation. And we talk about all the things that I learned throughout the process of making the film, the crazy story about how the film came to be, and of course, my other friend with us, Jay Simpson, he is there. Uh, He was a part of that process. He was also in the group that started working on the project on the film and so we had him come on as well to get his perspective we also talk about just technology and podcasts in general because we're all three from different generations stan is in his 70s jay's i think 50 i'm 30 so we all have very different perspectives of really the origin of technology and we all we go all the way back to the 30s talking about stan's dad and uh, how he was an enthusiast for technology as well and it's just uh so if you love technology if you're if you're interested in nancy's story just based off of what i said um you're in for a treat, and the, again, the name of the film is A Soul-Filled Life, and we talk about it quite extensively in this episode, but I'm also going to link uh, the film, which is on my personal video portfolio page. I'm going, it's a, you know, you can watch it for free. It's about 42 minutes, and I will have that in the show notes, the direct link to that, but no more hesitation. My friends, very good friends, Stan and Jay. Okay, so I got two of my very, very, very good friends here, Jay and Stan, and I just wanted to start the conversation with, we're a few episodes into the podcast at this point, and I just wanted to get their thoughts of the podcast medium in general as it is, since we're, we're, we're both, we're all three from different generations and have kind of experienced an evolution of technology and culture. Um, just kind of, especially like Stan, kind of give us an insight into kind of your background. We'll start there with your dad. Okay, my dad was a ham radio operator, and he got his license around 1932, just before the Depression. Uh, He was a scoutmaster at a long-time Boy Scout camp here in the area. It's no longer in existence, but he built his first, as he called it, a rig at the scout camp, and he used... um, windmill to turn a generator to charge a battery and that was what he used to power his ham radio equipment and um well how would you describe so like there might be a lot of people who don't when you when you when they you know especially some of the younger folks like your ham radio operator what what is a ham radio was the purpose of it like why did your dad get into it it's it was primarily a hobby a ham radio is uh, a then a mechanism where you could talk to other people distance away I mean it could be 10 miles away or it could be a thousand miles away and we're talking what approximately what year was this this would have been 
uh, around 32, 33, okay. 1933. So way before cell phones, way before you know, modern. Yeah. Almost you know. 100 years ago. Yeah, so we're so we're going way back. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's, that was his hobby. I mean, obviously then there was no uh, television or... So th this was his hobby in the afternoon after he finished his scoutmaster duties at the camp. But fast forwards uh, to World War II, um, one of the things that, that my dad would do um, would be to talk to... Then it was called the Mars Radio System, Military Amateur Radio Service. And he would have a maybe a local person that their either husband or son might be in the military and they'd make arrangements for that person to be at the, the Mars station wherever they were happened to be and they would talk to them over dad's ham radio it's a one-way conversation you talk for a few minutes then you listen you talk for a few minutes and listen nowadays we have cell phones we do that we talked all over the world if we want to but back in those days it was really uh, you know that was just fantastic. And then a little bit moving forward in time, he came up with the idea of, it's called a phone patch. He could connect the telephone to his transmitter, and he had a switch on the side of his desk, and when the, the, the person on the phone wanted to talk, he would throw the uh, switch to transmit, mm -hmm. and that person would talk over their phone to their loved one, wherever they were located, and then vice versa when it was time for them to listen he'd throw the switch the other direction and then they would listen and that was just uh you know if you think about it that that was really like just uh, uh back in those days we're, we're talking uh post world war ii so we're talking in the late 40s mm -hmm. and you know that would just be fantastic technology at the time groundbreaking yeah yeah otherwise they were waiting on a letter to make it from wherever they were stationed back yeah. home or vice versa. But yeah. Yeah. It's crazy to be able to... Sometimes it'd be months on getting letters like that. Yeah. So that's, that's wild. And then we're just sitting here and, you know, to kind of set the scene here today, we're, we're all three sitting at a picnic table outside of uh, the church that we've all volunteered slash worked at for many years. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, having a conversation that's eventually going to be eventually, but with just a couple of clicks, could be accessed anywhere in the world instantaneously. And we're just talking a hundred years, and this is just just as this is just an audio medium. We're not even getting into the visual side of the the communication spectrum. But Jay, just kind of introduce yourself a little bit, and uh, um, and you know, well, I guess both of you. I just wanted to start by saying thank you for coming on the show, and and you know, I know when we I first talked about starting the podcast, I'd mentioned it to you guys a few times over the past few months, and um, having I've been very excited to have you guys on, and. Uh, I wanted to, Jay, I guess both of us start bar, with Stan. The bar was low. Well, <laughs> the bar was very low. I want to talk to anybody. I want to talk to anybody. I want to talk to everybody. But uh, I guess, Jay, just start introducing yourself. Stan's had the floor for a second. We'll get to Stan a little bit, you know, too. Uh, well, I mean, you and I have known each other for, what, uh, 10 years, maybe? Oh, me and uh, you? Yeah, I mean. Well, it's definitely well, not been 10 years. It's been maybe five. No, I think it's been over that. I don't, I, I don't think so. Well. It seems like it's been well. That's a good thing. That's a <laughs> yeah. good thing. What forty um, years has it been? <laughs> yeah. So you talk about the different generations. I mean, I'm fifty. You're thirty. Thirty. Stan. <laughs> I'm seventy-eight. So yeah, that gives everybody an idea of how much of a generational gap we all three have. Uh -huh. But the tech side of things, I think, is how we all connected here at the church yeah because we're all in in some capacity i was involved in the video and still am you're involved yeah. into a lot of the tech stuff at the church like uh in the booth doing sound work and you know yeah, switching visual broadcast audio and stan he's the you do a lot of the switching like you do the the, the main camera switching for the live stream yeah. and then the all the video recordings video, that yeah. take place yeah. so video director so that's how we kind of came into our each sphere um several years ago um but then Kind of, that's a great segue into kind of the main objective of this conversation, the main topic that I want to talk to, and it's a project that all three of us worked on that was a beautiful project. It's a beautiful story. Um, it was actually turned into a 45-minute short film about Stan's wife. That, that, don't forget that we originally said we couldn't go over 10 to 15 minutes, which 
I think was amazing because we all were like, there's no way we could tell the story. Oh, yeah. 10 to 15 minutes. The more we learned, yeah. we were kind of like, no, this is this is a different, take out a whole different meaning. So. Yes, and it quickly evolved. And um, I, before we get to that, though, Stan, introduce yourself a little bit, even beyond, obviously, how we met. So a little bit about, about your background. Well, I'm an electrical engineer, um, professional electrical engineer. I worked for uh, Southern Company for 42 years before I retired. And since I've been retired, I've been primarily working at, not really working, volunteering at church uh, with the video, video media. And also I do a lot of volunteer work at the hospital. And I've been doing that since 1990. Um, so basically that's it. Uh, I just I just love to, you know, touch base with people that's gone through what Nancy and I did. Your wife Nancy. Yes, my wife Nancy. Um, she's deceased now, but it that was just a, a, an amazing journey, and it still continues to carry on her legacy. Yeah, it still continues to be just a fantastic journey. Absolutely, and that's that by that is our actually main conversation today um, is. Basically, it all revolves around Nancy and kind of the, I would say this was more than anything what cemented our friendship, more so than just being involved with it at the church. But um, I would say, but before we get to that, just what are your thoughts, Jay, on podcasts um, as it is today and kind of like, because I know you're an you're a, uh, avid listener of a handful of podcasts, at least I know you said the yeah. Joe Rogan experience. Yeah, that one in... There's several, I mean, it's kind of like my playlist of my phone. It could be all over the road as far as my interest, but the two main ones would be anything in the technology space and then automotive, uh, whether it be, you know, racing or off-roading or racing off-road. Several podcasts. To me, it's great because back, like Stan was saying, you know, you had a ham radio and then radio before television was the entertainment and as things have evolved i think there's a lot of people that had something to say uh that couldn't get on the radio they didn't have the means to have their own radio talk radio show and with podcasts that allows them to reach basically a global audience with whatever their interest is um That's some pretty intense wind yeah. right there. Yeah, <laughs> Try not to get blown away. Well, yeah, that was a really bad storm. We're actually in uh, Alabama today, um, and there was a really bad storm last night here. It kind of spread to Nashville, um, north of Atlanta. It was a pretty crazy storm last night. But it's beautiful today, though, yeah. which is crazy. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, to me, they're great because uh, you get to... You get away from just what's available on radio or television, for that matter. Yeah, that is true. I, you know, the podcast really—they are getting people talking again. The art of conversation is not completely dead. Absolutely. Um, and you know, for me, that's just a huge part of my identity is just talking to people and story, you know, storytelling, but uh, and hearing other people's stories and having letting other people's stories be told, but. What, what, Stan, what do you think about podcasting and like why do you think podcasts have kind of taken off and why is there suddenly, relatively suddenly, because they've been around for uh, 15 years, you know, give or take, but why do you think maybe... I think the, the reason they were called podcasts is, you know, they basically started at Apple. Yeah. You know, uh, with iTunes and yep. that's where the idea came from with the iPod. Yep. Podcast, so that kind of gives us a whole idea of how long it's been around. Yeah, so all over the world, realize. Yeah, because I've been listening to podcasts since 2006, I believe. Well, it's it's almost uh, like talk radio, if you will. Mm. Uh, I, I was sitting here thinking. Uh, I used to when I first started with Southern Company. I, I was going to to night school at University of Alabama, Birmingham, and on the way home at in the evening. There was one particular radio station I'd turn on and listen to the the person there talking, and you know I I really enjoyed that. And then later uh, at the company we had a, 
a management club and one of the things there was they had uh, available to us was uh, actual tapes that you could listen to someone uh, giving you some information you know hacks on life if you will things like that um, and I had a tape player in the truck so I would put it in there and listen to that and then now I see podcasts it's just a, a further extension of that but now you've got more than one person talking on podcasts and it's, could it's on demand yeah. it's on yeah. demand yes yeah that's for sure so well very cool man well I wanted to I definitely wanted to again so thankful for you guys to come on the show and um and to really supported the show thus far we're a few episodes in and you know you guys have been awesome and uh you know now we can kind of get into our the main reason i wanted to have both of you on well specifically stan but of course jay as well because you were part of the process but we made a 45 minute documentary about stan's wife and her um basically her incredible life i mean it was you know she was the one of the first heart double lung recipients at in was it in the country no at uab so specifically at uab she was one of the first to receive that operation yes she was University actually of alabama and birmingham she was the third person but the first lady to receive that but she was then 10 years later she was the first of the heart and lung patients to have a kidney transplant as well so she had four transplanted organs yes um so and the way that story and i guess let's start by just saying kind of how the whole thing came about because so i was out on staff at the church and at the time and then they had asked me if i would start a basically almost like a like a, just a group uh called uh to have people come and just kind of that would happen there's a life group just like a, a we, yeah we call them yeah. life groups but they're you could almost think of them as sunday school yep. kind of like you know it's nothing like that but it's more of a modern approach to sunday school was more like people with common interests getting together you know just to just to have or build relationships and that kind of thing and then mine i decided to, to build it around uh, photo and video because that's my background and what i'm most passionate one of the things i'm most passionate about and um i started the group i didn't have any idea what it would become i didn't have an agenda i didn't really have an objective i was just like okay we'll just we'll start and see what happens we'll just where it goes was where it goes and uh, Stan, well, you guys were probably the first two that showed up. If not Stan, you might have been the very first. But well, then we met weekly, and then a handful of people started joining the group. And then we got to where we were about probably about eight of us consistently meeting. Yeah. And, I, you know, week after week, I would ask, what do you guys, what are you looking, are you interested in? Are you more interested in the photo aspect, the video aspect? And, you know, what, what specifically about these things do you want to learn more about and we kind of went down the list and got down to video editing and it was a short film short you know just video and then more specifically video editing and then everybody's hand went up everybody wanted to learn more about video editing because most people had only really had experience with photography mm -hmm. um, and i was like man okay so the only way you can really learn video editing or video making um is to just come up with an idea and do it you know just from start to finish it doesn't matter if it's how bad it is or how great it is it's just you gotta start get your feet wet so uh a week later we met at a local coffee shop local starbucks here and i was we were just around the table and i just said okay let's i basically presented that to the group and said um you know, if we want to, if you guys want to learn how to make a video or make a movie or something like that, let's, let's just come up with an idea and make it. And we went around the table and everybody had some ideas and, um, but the, we got to stand and probably 45 seconds into his story, his little anecdote there, or his little synopsis of, you know, the story, yep. everybody was just mouth agape, just wow. You know what an incredible everybody was in agreement instantly yeah, this is the story we had it was a no-brainer yeah. yeah and you had said stan that you had wanted to record you had basically been wanting to do like a powerpoint sort of or a slideshow to tell this story for years yeah i had actually developed a powerpoint that i used when i'd go speak to different groups and you know it, it worked for a time but then you know, it's the same thing over and over, just static. It was hard to expand on it. 
And I, I knew I had a lot of um, eight millimeter film, a, a lot of video uh, that I wanted to incorporate in that some way, and I just didn't have the means to do it. Um, and it was, uh, her story is just so fantastic. Uh, you know, it just, to me, I needed to get that out to more people to offer that as encouragement for people that's going through the transplant journey. I mean, that's a tough, tough journey to go through. And she did it with such poise and grace, you know, just happy-go-lucky. Every day was a great day. Even yep. though she might have been feeling lousy, you know, she didn't let anybody know how bad she felt. Mm. And, uh, you know, just wanted to, to do something that was an encouragement to people. So we we, we sat after we kind of, as a group, decided to produce this film. We were just like, as Jay said, I can't remember if you said this before we started recording or not, but basically originally the idea was to Oh, make a 10 minute video yeah, like a, i think you you told us that most like short films we need to look at 10 to 15 minutes yeah and at that time i was thinking more i guess i hadn't really thought about near documentary i was thinking more like more arts more like uh, narrative which is story based which uh 10 or 15 minute story based film like a narrative like a fiction or something like that is a big 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 project you know um but i think the reason it grew is as Stan told us more and more about the story, and it, it was like, yeah, there's no way to, to do justice to what needs to be told in 10 to 15 minutes. Oh yeah, I mean, it, you could you could tell her, yeah, you could tell her, you could tell her, it would take probably three hours to even remotely justify. Uh, to do justice, remotely do justice to her story. But I mean, and I always said, you really almost need somebody. You almost need like a biopic. You almost need to hire an actor and write a whole scripted, kind of like what they're doing with like these musicians. It's like you almost to do that even, that's really what she needs for that story to, to really hit as close to totally hitting home as possible. But um, we basically we sat down in the room and we started working on it. We had one uh, girl in the group. She wanted to write the script. We, so we said, okay, that's great. Let's try to have a script written by the end of the year. Um, and we all just kind of, we went through the whole creative process and came up with the creative flow and the creative threads and kind of blocked out the story based on, you know, a couple, like, I guess three acts. And um, we had the script written within, by the end of the year. And that was right when COVID hit. And that was, we were wanting to start filming it the interviews and and some like of the, the supporting footage and stuff yeah, that threw a little bit of a curveball yes so we basically went six months completely just nothing no progress whatsoever um and i actually transitioned to be a contract being a taking my business full-time um in that time and then about six months into the pandemic we started you know very cautiously working on me, largely me and Stan at that point of course Jay you helped with some of the shooting and some of the locations and we had yeah. some other creative meetings and stuff like that yeah. uh, but Jay what was from your perspective what was what was it like for you to, to kind of be to see that evolve um, I guess because you were new to a Stan story but also filmmaking yeah I mean I, I knew there was I knew there was a lot more to filmmaking than what most people realize and then we got into it, but it was even more than what I realized as far as the, the nuts and bolts, really granular part of it. But, you know, the the story itself is of Nancy and all the all the things that she went through. And like Stan said, she was happy-go-lucky the whole time, it appeared, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I, I remember when we did the shot, Pets. Was it? Um, do you remember the name of the subdivision? We had all the pictures that we hung up. The memory yard. Yes. Yeah, that was that was really powerful because you got to see. Stan, I don't know. You had hundreds of, of photos that and seemed that we hung up. I had 120. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There were 120 photos that we had got some really special. Um, Little tiny clothespins. Tiny clothespins and like string. Yeah. And yeah. in the middle of this beautiful. Like tree to tree. Yeah, this beautiful sort of 
foresty looking area yeah. in a subdivision. Yeah. You would never know it was a subdivision, but and it was right by the Cobber River. Too. Yes, it was right by yeah. the river. Really well-known yeah, river just, here. Just it's beautiful. Really, so that, that part hit home too because you see all these photos and you know kind of the transition mm -hmm. through the story and what it was her life story but yeah. yes i mean it, it you had them pretty much in order in chronological yeah. order and they spanned several decades yeah would you say and her I mean, entire life i mean so 60 her, plus yeah. years right yeah so i mean it was it was a pretty i mean it was wondrous to behold to be honest with you because yeah, we have some behind to, to just see all of them as we were hanging them up and yeah you know thinking about it it's like wow mm -hmm. most i would say probably the majority of people would not handle that journey the way they did matching standing yeah because i mean it was no, it was difficult i mean based on just what i've learned throughout the years or from the past few years and we, we the film's been completed at this point for two years or so mm -hmm. um but yeah so we effectively and kind of what Jay, well, the way we use those pictures jay's talking about is we just would cut back and forth instead of showing just popping up uh, digital images of of all these these stock or no, i'm sorry these still images that stan had we wanted to display them in a way that was creative and you know we wanted to be as tangible as possible and it was in nature because nancy was so full of life and we wanted the whole film to just consistently be just flooded with greenery and nature and and leaves and sunshine and so that was our uh, our way of doing that and um making that her story as tangible as possible um and then of course you surprised everybody with even your family with you had uh, snippets of her recording an interview that i, I think but a lot of people didn't know about it. you kind of let that be a surprise right mm -hmm. so yeah. when the premiere because we had because after it was we filmed for about six months um and we wrapped i think shooting end of december 2020 2020 mm -hmm. and then you started coming to my house every monday for was it a year just about yeah, so say it, it had to be a, close to about yeah, a year it was about a year and you came to my house every monday for a year for about three or four hours and we would at a snail space but we we would do the post-production the video editing side and you were there i would say for 98% of it and that last 2% was just me doing a bunch of like technical sound work and making sure the mix was right and stuff that didn't really need a lot of creative input but you and I were the sort of co-directors of the project um, and Jay you were I would say you were like a creative process you were involved in the creative process and, and then also you just basically gripped and gaffed and everything all these things you helped yep. with wherever uh moving stuff and taping stuff and just helping us you well, know yeah, I was just thinking we're talking about the when we were doing the shots with the photos, it was a day similar to today, if y'all remember. It was windy. It was really windy. <laughs> oh, yes. And there were times that we were chasing photos that were getting snatched off the little clips and stuff. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this, uh, it was it was cool getting to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. And then but, you, you went with us up to my uh, sister-in-law's house yeah. where we did the interview at the location where Nancy and I got married. It was yep. in their living room. Yep. Which was so special. And then every time when I watch the movie or show the movie to people, I know they always like, oh, that's so, you know, that's kind of surprising to them because we don't tell them right off the bat that where you're sitting for the for, for yeah. your full interview, which is basically 60% of the movie, is in the exact spot you guys got married. But Yeah, that same way. Yeah. yeah, so, gosh, I mean, but yeah, so about, about a year you came to my house and we finally got post-production done and then i want to say it was june summer of 2022 21 21 summer of 2021 we uh we wrapped it and scheduled and we had the premiere mm -hmm. and then we did that at the church here at like about 100 120 something in that neighborhood people. yeah we've got a really good Yes, people, we had a standing ovation at the end. Um, we distrib we showed it at the uh, film festival in my hometown, the Rome, Georgia, which is just the Rome International Film Festival, Rome, Georgia. Um, and and that was just, my goodness. I mean, that was just an unforgettable experience. And I've only shown a couple, I've only shown films 
documentary or really any kind of film in theaters only three, maybe two or three times. But that was by far the most special, um, just because of how it came to be, that whole project. I mean, so now that we kind of got the technical out of the way and kind of how it came to be, and, and honestly, I, I still to this day am just blown away by how it came to be because it just started out so just with no intention um, no just nothing. We just all like let's wanted a bunch of people that wanted to learn about photo and video and multi, maybe multimedia more broadly, just getting together and you know just like a great story Andy presented throwing, itself. Uh, throwing the mix of COVID. Well, that's that true. Being done, you know, and even that didn't stand in the way. Yeah, you know, the world was falling apart. It appeared around us, and it was still coming together. You know, it never, never stopped us. So. So, well, very cool, man. And so now I want to just focus entirely on the rest of the conversation on just Nancy and maybe talk about some of the things, because I'm going to put a link in the description of the episode for people to find the film. It's free to watch. It's on my personal um, portfolio page, and I'll, I'll put a link to the to the film in there. So if you want to watch the full 41, 42-minute film, you're more than welcome to. But let's talk maybe about, maybe reiterate some of the of Nancy's story that but but let's take this I would love to take this opportunity to talk about the things that we could include just from a timing standpoint and a lot of the stories that we like I know she met a lot of celebrities uh, and we just from permission standpoint could not get permissions to include celebrities in the film um, I think the first original cut before we started cutting it down to time was an hour and a half of story mm-hmm. and then because of just lack of supporting b-roll then you carry the camera around basically for I mean, you're kind of, I mean, if you hadn't have done that, I don't know how we would have done this story because the whole thing revolves around if you. Yeah, I think you're, you're amazed all of us how much content you had. Yeah, you know, and that just scratched the surface, too. I yeah, mean, well, it's like you were talking about the the 8-millimeter film and then all the photos. and the, I mean, what, yeah. It was, just, it was like it never ended. It was amazing how much content. Because well, not I, knowing that at the beginning. Yes. That was, I think, one of the questions that I think you asked as far as how, what what media are we are we going to use to make it? And that's what it was like. Oh, well, I've got this and this yeah. and this. And it just never, there was never a, a bottom <laughs> to the box of stuff that oh, he had. Oh, it was incredible. I mean, and I, I, I said multiple times, this is going to live or die based on what we have in the archives. Because, I mean, you can, you can make an interesting video... Of, of people sitting in a room well lit talking about a story you'll hear the story but unless you can see it you won't feel it you won't feel the story I mean you will to a degree but great documentary filmmaking comes from either what you can recreate which we didn't really have a, we didn't have a big budget to hire actors or build sets and you know so we had to really rely on I mean effectively that we didn't spend anything on I mean I think we spent you know 90 bucks on one stop clip you know, I think that's the only money other than like supplies and stuff, yeah. like and you know, gasoline and yeah. meals and stuff. But as far as the, we've spent virtually nothing on the project. Um, so it's like we really had to rely on archival footage and photos. And man, you really did have. Was, I mean, I was, was like, I, I just at the premiere, I said, yeah, I think Stan had a, and you know, and the cameras weren't small back then, so I don't know how you carried that thing around <laughs> with you everywhere. But like, it's like almost like you had a camera in your back pocket for sixty, you know, sixty years basically. Yeah, I don't think that people nowadays with iPhones, a camera with them everywhere, could get as much footage and document all of the things <laughs> that happened as well as you did. Yeah, I mean, it did. It blew my mind. I mean, I was blown away by it because the script really did call for a lot of B-roll, and I hadn't seen it. Not, but Stan, I trusted Stan. I was like, because he, he knows. I mean, he's not, he's, you know, he's clued into this stuff, uh, so he knows. So I was like, okay, well, I trust Stan. So but when we started working on the editing, I was like, man, you were right. Um, I mean, we came from, it was 16 millimeter, 8 millimeter? 8 millimeter. 8 yeah. millimeter film. You had, obviously, you had still photographs. You had newspaper clippings. You had um, x-ray. You had um, x-rays. You had... Um, my gosh, I mean, just I, three different formats and and uh, video. Yeah, I know you VHS, did. the height, and then 
digital. <laughs> so I mean, it was just that's. I mean, that's part of the reason it took so long to make the movie because well, you even had didn't you, you even had some interviews that Nancy had done on local TV. Yeah, yeah, that's sure yeah. did. I think we tried. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we had tried to use the. We couldn't use some of them for permissions or just trying to go through that path. And um, But I think what the perhaps the most interesting piece of content that you had, which was the surprise of Nancy, actually, the interview of Nancy, you had... Tell the story about that, because I thought that was really interesting, how this interview, basically, which was a surprise for your family and pretty much everybody, was just sitting on a shelf for 30 years, or, or about 30 years, right? Or was it 20 years, something like that, with her in the interview where she's in the hospital room? Yeah, that one was actually uh, when she had the uh, uh, kidney transplant. Oh, okay. So I, I had uh, had my video camera up there. We had been contacted by a national uh, syndicated program, and, and uh, they wanted me to, to shoot some video. And uh, they came to Birmingham and interviewed us, and, uh, and I had supplied this video to them that None of the family uh, had really seen it, and it was Nancy sitting there. She had tubes coming out her neck and stuff like that, and she was just saying, you know, talking about her, the little boy that was her heart-lung donor. Um, And then she was talking about her sister that was her kidney donor. And, you know, it just... I think that's what really got everybody is they had not seen that didn't they heard, got to hear her voice again well and that footage the the program that had had you record that interview they didn't use it for some reason so you you did that interview and it was and for, i forgot the reason but they didn't wind up using it yeah the the program totally changed their format uh, after they had done our interview here and it's about two weeks later that they went to t- something totally different and uh, so everything that we did with them was just pretty much trash then, you know. Uh, so, which is just insane. That, and you, if you didn't know better, you would honestly think that Nancy did, it's like, how, what year approximately was that? That was in, in 99. Okay, so it's not as, not as long ago as I originally thought. But yes, yeah, yeah. so it's almost like she, it was so intentional. It almost looked like she knew she was interviewing for this movie for to, this, be, yeah. to be made in 2020. Yeah, you know, twenty-one years later, which is was just really something special to me. But well, so, the, the clip that was really special to me was the one that we used in opening. Yes, that she was, appears three times. That was eight millimeter, you know, in the very first part of the film where she's walking through trees. And oh, stuff. that. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. And, uh, the tide for the title yeah. shows up. Yes, that was one that we shot uh, on a camping trip, and I had my. Um, eight millimeter film camera and I, I told Nancy I said this would be a great place to shoot some some film and she said well what do you want me to do I said well just go down that path and come walking back and I said just you know take your time look around and it was beautiful I mean you know I, yeah. it was perfect for, for yeah. the intro into the movie yeah a lot of the, that video was like you said it was like it was intentionally shot for yeah, I mean, how many people have that kind of stuff that you could just happen to build a 45-minute documentary, un- like just completely unbeknownst to you at the time of filming? And it's just that's such a rare, yeah. rare thing to come across. I mean, heavens. But uh, so tell us a little bit about so Nancy's donor, donor family, like all that. I mean, just how incredible that was. And, and of course, all this stuff is in the film. But man, just for people yeah. that haven't seen it or haven't seen it yet, maybe. Well, to to give you a full background real quickly is Nancy was born with a congenital heart problem that was not discovered until our daughter was 18 months old and um, this was a hole between the upper chambers everybody has that at birth but it closes you know shortly after birth hers didn't it's called atrial septal defect and over the years it affected her lungs and it, it her heart enlarged I want to say greatly. It was very large. Uh, the the X-ray that you alluded to is in the film, and that was her actual X-ray from the day that our family doctor discovered her problem. And you could see how large her heart was, and it was pushing on her lungs, and she was having difficulty breathing. And this particular disease was all people 
referred to it as heart asthma because it it looked like it was asthma and she was treated for asthma and she actually had asthma one time the doctor would treat her and it would work next time he'd treat her it wouldn't work because the other time was asthma the second time was the heart problem so anyhow long story short this was um tammy was about 18 months old and that's when we found out about a heart problem in 1974, she went in the hospital to see Dr. John Kirkland. He's a world-renowned heart surgeon here in Birmingham. Uh, and they evaluated her case to see if they could close the hole. And he pretty much said, no, we can't do that, or she, she won't survive. He's, but five, we think that she might survive five more years. Yes. Well... It, You'll hear this in the film that that kind of made Nancy mad. And she said, I'll show him. Well, 15 years later, uh, she was with that doctor's son, Dr. Jim Kirkland. And Jim is the one that did her heart double lung transplant. Now, that that's on the, the doctor side. I mean, fantastic doctors. Two of the world's best doctors that she had happened to be in Birmingham. But the day she had... Um, got called in uh, you know that they said they think they had found a, a potential donor there was this little boy that lived in Eufaula, Alabama had um, two weeks earlier had seen a uh, TV program with his mom and dad and, and he had uh, you know it was, a, it was about two children one of them needing a transplant the other one essentially brain dead so that's that's how i got started and then he just asked his parents could he do that well two weeks later uh he got hit by a car while he was riding his bicycle and that's the parents had to make the decision of course they said yes he had already made the decision and it was almost a perfect match and that's what gives me so much chills i mean you know just well and that was the part specifically that everybody at the Starbucks table just was blown away by and first and what's part of that is comes from the fact that Nancy was so tiny she was very petite and that's pretty much why his the fact that she really needed a child's yeah. heart and lungs and then the doctor that did the operation he was actually wasn't he a child surgeon he did a lot of children uh, because he, he had small hands. Yes, and that's something that is actually not in the film, and I kick myself sometimes because I wish we had thrown that in there. But that was, I mean, it's just that she was, not only was it such a rare condition, but the fact that she was so tiny. By all the circumstances, you know, you can see how God lined all. Absolutely. Every, everything about her story it's definitely not a coincidence. I mean, none of this is a no, coincidence, I don't yeah, believe, but, but it I, is amazing. How it just proves that in a tragedy for one person is, you know, shows, God shows up in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Nancy was four foot 11 inches tall, weighed 68 pounds the day of her transplant. Scott was four foot 11 inches tall, weighed 68 pounds. And it just, you know, yep. Like, like you say, it was just perfect. Yeah, you know, even, even the doctor that went down and retrieved the organs, when he came back to the hospital here, and it said, well, this lady, he said, it's not a child. And he said, no, this this lady Nancy, it's just these uh, organs for her. He said, I've got to see this. He said, there's no way that she could be that small. And he had to come in and physically look at Nancy to see how small she was before he say, okay, I agree that those organs need to go to her. And tell me if I'm remembering this wrong, but wasn't that a concern for a donor because of her size? Yeah. Most adults wouldn't... Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't have worked. Wouldn't have worked. So that was another one of those things that... 11-year-old child. Yeah, I mean, the, the chances of that for 
just astronomically low. Yeah, astronomically low that that would yeah. happen. But um, and yeah, and then and her sister years later was her living donor. Yeah, gave her donated a, gave her her kidney. Yeah, but um, so when we definitely I mean that's and the film was actually dedicated to both. Um, both of her donors, yeah. Scott Parrish and and Dolores. So, um, and but we're getting kind of close to time here. Um, but I definitely want to touch on just kind of Nancy's, really just Nancy's legacy. Why was she? And of course, Dan, just want you to answer this. Just what did, you know? What did you guys do once? Because it was Legacy of Hope at the time. It was Alabama Organ Center. They renamed themselves and kind of like relatively recently Legacy of Hope, but. What did you? What was y'all's involvement with them? And then you tra- I know you traveled. You guys, we have you got the Alabama, the um, team Alabama with uh, the transplant, uh, games. transplant games, which that's a, that's that's such a, which is actually coming to Birmingham for the first time next year. Next okay. year, yeah. Um, and I, before I don't know how much time we're gonna have, but to get onto that, but I definitely want to just what was your involvement? You are your and Nancy's involvement with the Legacy of Hope traveling you spoke you were uh, ambassadors mm-hmm. just and then talk about touch on that and then what the what nancy did specifically for the doctors i mean how she would make phone calls and just and you know just in one long she spiel. Like reassure people that were going through what she had been through so why yeah so just touch on that like the impact that she had on people the reason we told her story in in such a way through the film and why you still talk about it you you know why it's such an impactful moment Okay, the um, there was a support group that was started. It was actually the month that Nancy got her heart lung transplant in October 1989, and they called it the Heart Transplant Support Group at UAB. So we started going to that support group in January, and one of the things that Nancy um, told her doctors that we didn't have anybody to talk to because, you know, They'd only done two of those before, just before Nancy. But when she first was, was diagnosed, we had nobody to talk to. And that's how we got involved in it, is just volunteering to talk to the patients. And uh, one thing led to another. And then we, we did get to travel some for the Alabama Organ Center, going to different parts of the state and speaking to groups of medical people about her situation. Because she was a big proponent of why donation mattered. Yeah. And you guys... And she loved to talk to the patients and try to reassure them, you know, you can get through this too. Well, and I know you guys debunked a lot of the myths surrounding um, transplantation. Would you say? I mean, we, yeah. you encountered yeah. that quite a bit. I'm sure there's a lot of people. We don't want to get into all that. But there's a lot of people with, you know, naysayers or... Uh, conspiracists and all conspiracy theorists that kind of thing but so well that's the reason for attending the transplant games it's an athletic competition and it shows that people that had transplants could compete in athletics have a have a active life after, yeah after the fight. and the only way and that's heavily talked about in the film but it was in the transplant games the only individuals that can compete ha- or are uh, have received or donated organs yes um, and that's just amazing. And I had never heard about that. Really, this whole journey was so, I mean, it, I can't even describe, put in words how enlightening this whole process was hearing Nancy's story, but then also being exposed to transplantation culture and pre and post transplantation and what all goes into it. Because as one of the doctors says that we actually brought on, um, Dr. Bob Borge, yeah. um, he came onto the film and he, one of the things he said was it's not a cure. It's, you know, it's something that it's a lifestyle shift and something that you have to, that was, I had never, ever thought about that. And one of my friend's moms actually um, received a, uh, a liver transplant. I've not really talked in great detail about her, but I never really thought about that. That was the most shocking thing, or I shouldn't say shocking, but enlightening thing. Because it's like, you know, you think, oh, I need a new liver. Oh, I'll just go get a new liver. Like getting a new car or something. It's once you bought it, it's done, or once you've received it, it's it's done. But that's not the case at all. Touch on that and kind of like what it was like for Nancy post transplantation. Because that was so fascinating to me. Yeah, it, uh, when Nancy found out that her uh, heart lung donor was a little boy, she really just you know broke down. She said, "Well, can't you give him something for me?" You know. 
But that, that was something that was difficult for her to, to think about, that she now had a child's heart and lungs. And writing a letter to her donor family was a major task. You know, she said, how do you thank somebody for their son's heart and lungs? And it took her 10 years before she actually wrote the letter. And then we we did get to go to down to Eufaula and interview uh, Don and Donna Parrish, Scott's parents. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was just, uh, I still friends with them today, even though Nancy's not here anymore. Uh, and I got to meet the two of them as well, which that was one of the highlights of my life. Just honest to God. Yeah, that was, I, I can't remember why, but I think it was out of town. I couldn't go on the trip. I, yeah. I really hated that I couldn't because I wanted to be a part of that. Yeah. Meeting them as well, but, um, but I would even say it was portrayed very well. Well, better be. Yes, because we wound up animating the letters that mm-hmm. they had exchanged back and forth, and uh, Donna, she wanted to come on the film, but she just, understandably, emotionally, just would, pre- would preferred us to have someone voice do her voice, and right. we made it more artful than mm-hmm. you know just having her come on as an interview. So, um, but. Speaking more specifically, though, like post-transplantation from a medical sense, too. Like, what was that like? Because I think a lot of people don't realize that it's not a cure. You still have to. It's a daily regimen. It's a daily. Yeah. Yeah, Nancy had to take uh, 13 different prescriptions every day. Uh, She had her medicine laid out so that she took it four times a day. And you have to do that for life because uh, three of them were uh, anti-rejection medicines. And the other prescriptions were to counter these are side effects. I mean, th- these are pretty powerful medicines. So she just had to learn. Everywhere we went, she had a, a camera bag with her and had her medicine in her camera bag. And when we go out of town on trips, I would always have a second camera bag with me that had a duplicate of her medicines in case she lost one. Oh, wow. Lost her camera yeah, bag. I, 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 I never even thought about that. You yeah. have to. Yeah, because yeah. that's not a... That's not like missing your blood pressure medicine for or, no. <laughs> or your daily met your daily vitamins or yeah, something like that. Uh, no, you yeah. know I never. Yeah, that's. They told her you could miss uh, uh, one dose with no problem. You could miss two doses. You'd probably wind up in the hospital. You miss three doses. You probably wouldn't be here anymore. Wow, oh. what a sobering thing to hear as a human. You well, yeah, that just points out what you said that it's not a, that the doctor said it's not a cure. Like I, I was to even thought that too. Like, okay, well, you know, you get a new liver, a new kidney, you're yeah, you know, you're good. But it's like getting a new pair of shoes, it's like, know, like yeah, much, you know, it's like you know, it's like not a, like that at all. Yeah, that was the thing that we learned in the process, and then yeah. actually when they, well, anyone watches the film, it's uh, it's definitely a lifestyle. Yep. That, yeah. So I definitely encourage all of our listeners to watch the film. Um, but I will say the climax of the film is the part that really just chokes me up every time. Because there's so much, I mean, even with this podcast, like, we can sit here for two, three hours talking about Nancy and all of your stories and um, and her impact. And but, but I would say the one thing that really chokes me up every time I watch it is about Legacy of Hope with the Ambassador of the Year. So just touch on that, Stan. I want, I want you to, and that's just, you, it's revealed at the end, what's revealed, just tell us what's revealed at the end of the film. Well, they named a, uh, an award for her that was presented to the Ambassador of the Year each year, and it was called the Nancy Smith Ambassador of the Year Award. And it was just basically named for her because she loved going and talking with patients and, and talking about the need for more donors. And uh, that's what the whole Ambassador program is about at the Legacy of Hope is going out talking to people, educating them on the need for more uh, organ donors. I mean, you're not, if you sign up to be an organ donor, it's not, it's not, it doesn't mean that you're going to donate your organs today. It, in case something happens to you, they've got a record that you've agreed to be an organ donor. And, you know, I've, I've signed, signed up when they first started that online, and that's, uh, I, I just encourage people to go and sign up to be an organ donor. Make sure you have it on your driver's license. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I, yeah. I knew it was there, but never gave really thought to it till this whole 
experience and I'm like, yeah, I'm, not that I've got anything that will be any 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 good by the time. <laughs> I'm not exactly the uh, model of help, but you know, <laughs> you never know something something in here might might help somebody. Well, one of the things they can, they can use bone tissue, they can use skin or eyes too. Eyes, you know, a lot yeah. of stuff really. So they don't work very well either, but hey, you know. Well, they use the, <laughs> it's white, the, yeah. the white part of the eyes they use to repair um, ears. That's on your hearing. And that's just the that's thing amazing. is, even in this conversation, is a perfect example of the past, all the years we've worked on it or talked about it or shown the film. It's like every single time I learn at least three things that I Something didn't know new. before. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know. And it's just absolutely astounding. And I'm just been, it's an undescri- indescribable honor to have been a part of this and to have met you, Stan, and your family. I feel like a part of your family. I've got to know your daughter, your granddaughter. Yeah. Um, your son-in-law and even more your family and all the people involved in the film and it's just the highlight of you know tied for you know I've had I've been blessed enough to have several things happen in my career that have been that I would consider a highlight but this is definitely tied for top of all the things that I've I've got had the pleasure and honor of working on definitely not being a part of it even small part I was it was um, I'm thankful for it for sure. Well, thank you for having me tell her story. I mean, that that was, you know, it's that's a godsend. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and that goes back to your powerful. And I thought, I think I even made this comment the night we were talking about it when you said that you had been working on like a PowerPoint that you wanted a way to tell her story. They were like, you know, all everything intersected at the perfect time to be able to tell her story yeah. absolutely yeah, so a group of people that wore the hangout and learned something new and none of us really could come up with a topic that we could do a film on and then when you brought it up we're like we we can't not do this yeah i mean it's just we got to yeah yeah absolutely and so now before we go, I just want to make sure uh, this conversation, I wanted to just eliminate the game today because there's so much to unpack with this conversation and there always is. I just wanted to give us as much time as possible, but I do want to touch on our recommendations before we go. Um, Stan, would you want to go first? What's your recommendation for us? Well, I alluded to it a little bit earlier. I, I would just encourage everybody to think about being an organ donor. And if you need more information, you can go uh, and uh, search Donate Life is one, or, or go to uh, United Network of Organ Sharing, UNOS, U-N-O-S dot org. And there's a lot of information there about how you can sign up to be an organ donor. And I, I would just encourage everybody that's listening to, to do that. Well, absolutely. I mean, I think that's, I mean, uh, after this conversation alone i think that's pretty apparent that how important that is but even you know especially if you go watch the, the film but um i would say and also i'm going to put a link to all these things that's brought up in the show description so i'll link all that stuff so if you want to find any of that i'll link the film again and i'll link what you just what you just pitched there and um so if you need to if you want to find that information it will be available so yeah for me i'm just gonna i'm a lover of course me and jay are well all three of us but me and jay the one thing we always gravitate to when we talk and i haven't seen each other in a few months is always tech, which similar with Stan as well, but we, we talk about all, sort, all, sort, all sorts of things too. But so for me, it's tech related today. And, and Apple, and, you know, Apple ish, but because, you know, big Apple, you know, enthusiast too as well. But um, I like to eat apples. <laughs> hey. Yeah, we, ha- we haven't, and I've pretty much given up on trying to convert Stan from Windows to <laughs> Apple. I've tried. I think you've tried, but it just didn't work out. Yeah. I, hey. You know, not everybody's perfect. <laughs> That's okay. Hey, and hey, I always tell people like, if you want to use an abacus for your daily productivity, go ahead. I'm not going to judge it. I don't. I I'm not a big fan of Apple versus Android or Windows versus no. PC. I'm just like, look, Pete. All at the end of the day, I'm an advocate for productivity. I don't care. If it works care. for you, go for it. I don't. If with yep. whatever that is, do whatever works for you. And, you know, let bygones be bygones. So, um, but uh, but my recommendation is um, home automation, but specifically smart bulbs. And especially, uh, particularly the ones that change colors. Because 
I am, as a video editor, spend a lot of time working out in my house. And it is, to me, it's critical to create a workspace that fits every particular activity that I'm doing, whether it's having friends over or video editing or just relaxing or watching a movie. So I, almost every bulb in my house is automated and, or I shouldn't say automated, but is controllable through my app. I can, certain voice commands can set up different scenes in my house. And I have one for movies. I have one for, you know, all those things I described. Um, and it's just a really, really great way and I live in an apartment. It's actually a townhouse, but um, you can't. The one thing about it is you can't paint your apartment or your townhome unless it's in a condo, of course. But uh, if you're renting, you typically can't paint. But my hack for that was okay. Well, I'll paint with light. And you come into my my home, and Stan, you've been there, and it's just a really welcoming place. And a lot of that is because of these lights. Um, and I tell you, my main lights in my main area are colored light so i can make them any color any brightness level color temperature hue anything yeah it's really awesome so and actually i don't do this all the time because i think it would scare the neighbors but i can actually i can actually program the lights to go to the rhythm of the oh, music yeah. i'm listening to. <laughs> so yeah. change colors it's like a rave in there yeah, yeah. or like a disco so i try not to do it too much because i don't want them you know calling the ambulance or something thinking somebody's in there shooting me or you know lighting me up with a yeah. uzi or something or like that because there's some pretty it'll strobe pretty quick you yeah. know it, from a distance could look like gunshots but uh, so that's my recommendation is just really cool setting this on of your own through through multicolored lights and that kind of thing what about you jay um I'm, i'll piggyback off of yours somewhat so I've been in the access control security video uh, industry for 20 plus years. So obviously when it comes to my home, I would have cameras and like you said, automate whatever the latest technology is. So like you, pretty much every light in the house is either tied to home kit or the light switch controlling a given light is part of HomeKit. And HomeKit being Apple's home automation Apple's ecosystem. Home automation. Yeah, and you know, for a lot of people either pick Google or, or the Apple side when it comes to home automation, but thankfully they've all actually gotten together and of course it'll probably take another year or two before it all comes to fruition, but uh, they've created a basically a standard called Matter. Yes, I've, so, heard, I've heard of this. Yes, so they're supposed to be able to update products so that if you've got a mix of HomeKit products that work with it or products that work with Google Nest and so on, that they will all be able to be controlled through either the Google Nest platform or Google Home. Yeah, and that's a big HomeKit. that's a big pain because I recently bought these security cameras and I might recommend these in another episode, but they're it was, I was trying to find security cameras that would work in an apartment-style setting, and there's not many. But for HomeKit, it's very limited, but there's a lot of stuff for, like, Amazon Echo. Yeah. And um, so I'm, I'm excited about this because it's going to enable a lot of these. If you're interested in home automation technology, this Matter uh, thing that Jay's talking about is actually a big deal. And it's going to make all this more help. universal. Yeah. You know, much more universal. Google so Nest, even though I'm a, a staunch Apple user, um, Google Nest cameras in thermostat is the route that I went for that uh, eventually according to the you know matter when it rolls out I'll be able to kind of pull that into home kit I have tinkered with a homebridge IO which is basically you run it on your Mac or PC and it does that connection for non home kit devices um, you got to be a little bit of a nerd and be willing to write some code and whatnot, but uh, it works most of the time. Right. But my recommendation, though, off of the home home kit, use some type of lock that is tied to whether it's Amazon platform, Google, or Apple. Uh, it makes things so much easier, uh, especially if you're out of town and you need to let someone in your house. We can do it remotely from your phone. Uh, the one you and I were talking about earlier, the uh, Schleg has a new one that will use Apple's key, which basically the wallet app on the phone, instead of having to punch in a code, 
you just basically get the phone near the lock and it'll unlock for you. Yeah. So it's out. It's just hard to get. So uh, eventually I'll catch it when it's in stock and grab one. But that'd be my recommendation. Take advantage of home automation and uh, have a good Wi-Fi password. Yes. And actually one of the things I love about home locks or um, smart locks is you can give, like if you have family or friends coming over for the weekend, you can give them a temporary yeah. code. Yeah. And I'm, I'm actually staying in an Airbnb last night and tonight and that person has a the you know this smart lock and it's awesome because they can just they could they could run this airbnb almost anywhere because you can just give out custom unique codes for your 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 guests for any given weekend and i've done something similar to that with my garage doors i have those tied to home kit as well so there's been times when i would order something off amazon that i didn't want just left on the porch or was afraid to get left because of you know bad weather or whatnot and i'll always put a note in that case that when the amazon driver gets there if they'll call me i can open the garage door wherever i'm at and they just sit in the garage and i shut it mm-hmm. so yeah. well and i want to have jay back on and we've actually got you've got a couple buddies that you want me to meet and we're going to have another conversation we're going to dive really deep into two things, tech and cars. Yep. And we'll, so there's like, even just talking with you right now, like I've got like 15 things in my mind I want to talk about. Just a stimming, <laughs> just stimming off of that brief conversation. But I don't want to keep you guys forever. I know we've got to get back and get moving along with the day. So I want to sort of wrap it up. Thank you guys for your recommendations. Thank you guys for coming on. What an honor it is. What a blessing it is to have you guys in my life. Um, Likewise. And yep. just... Just couldn't be happier to have you guys on, and uh, thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you.